Good to see all of you this morning. Um, so before we get started, why don't we go before God, why don't we pray, and uh, ask for his help as we come before his word. So let's pray. Almighty Lord, we thank you that we can come before your word, that we can come to hear uh, what you have said to your people long, long ago, and yet uh, you are still saying the same things to us. Lord, may you guide us. May this uh, be a blessed time for us, and may you be with us by your spirit to grow in our faith and to come to trust you in everything. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're done with virtue. We're never going to talk about virtue ever again. Um, I don't want to have any questions about virtue. Uh, I don't want to think about virtue. Um, <laughs> if you have questions, I'll answer them. Um, so I was thinking about what we would do next, because we kind of have this weird little stretch of time um, before the summer break. Uh, so we have, I think it's nine weeks until summer, um, and one of those weeks is Easter, so next week, so there's no Sunday school on Easter, and then Brett's going to take the week after that, because I'm doing ordination, um, so we need something to kind of fill in this gap before we hit the summer break. Um, and I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about uh, the Minor Prophets for a little while, um, specifically Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk's kind of been floating around in my brain a little bit. I uh, talked with some people about it, I've read a little bit about it, um, and I thought it'd be great to, to dive in and see what the Lord has to say to us from Habakkuk. Um, so we're going to basically bite off little chunks do a little chunks at a time. Hopefully, uh, we'll get through in about four weeks, and then we'll do Zephaniah for maybe three or four weeks, and then we'll be done, and then it'll be summer, and then I'm taking suggestions for whatever next big series y'all want next. Um, so why don't we turn to Habakkuk? Um, I know you all know exactly where that is in your Bibles. Habakkuk is in the Minor Prophets section, so you turn past Proverbs, past Ezekiel, um, past Daniel, and if you hit Zechariah, you've gone too far. So it's in that little section with Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah. And we're going to read. Um, we're going to read the first eleven verses of Habakkuk chapter one. All right, Habakkuk one. We'll read the first eleven verses. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth, to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice, their dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar and they fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. 
guilty men whose own might is their God. So let me ask you this question, a rhetorical question. Um, Have you ever reached a point in your life where you've asked, why me? Why me, God? I didn't ask for this. This shouldn't be happening. Something is deeply wrong. Um, And maybe you've even gone to the point where you've crossed your arms at God, right, and waited for an explanation. God needs to explain himself. Why is this happening to me? Maybe you felt alone, right? And maybe you felt like God has abandoned and won't answer your prayers. Um, Well, Habakkuk is the book for you. Because in this book, Habakkuk the prophet, in a sense, comes before God and says, "Here's, here's my complaint. Here's what's wrong, God. And I'm looking to you for an answer. Um, so who was Habakkuk? Right? When did he live? What is this book talking about? Um, some of the backstory that you need to know for Habakkuk is that he is uh, a contemporary, which means he's living at the same time as Jeremiah, um, as well as a couple other prophets. I forget which ones. Zephaniah as well. Um, but basically, the northern kingdom's already been exiled. They've already been destroyed by Syria. Uh, Judah, the, north, the southern kingdom... That's where Habakkuk is. Uh, this kingdom is still in existence, um, and they're in the middle of a revival. They were in the middle of a restoration of, of religion because Josiah, the king, he came and said, we need to get rid of all the Assyrian idols, and we need to restore worship of God. And so he started doing all of that, right? He was tearing down idols. He was restoring the uh, proper worship, um, but then he died. He died in battle. And a series of political movements were happening where Egypt was trying to set up a king that was pro-Egypt in uh, Israel. And then these, uh, this nation, uh, the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, they were trying to set up a king in Israel who would be pro-Babylonian. Right? So there's this power war going on in Israel or in Judah. Uh, and one of the problems was the one, the king that uh, was living while Habakkuk was prophesying was not a good king. When Josiah died, his sons did not follow his pattern. They followed the pattern of the world. So they were not only worshiping false gods, but they were leading Israel astray. Uh, and they were corrupt. So one of the, the, the problems is that corruption is now the norm. Right? Habakkuk, Habakkuk's complaint is uh, all he sees are violence, iniquity, um, destruction, um, Part of the problem is that this is supposed to be God's covenant people, God's land, and yet it looks like the nations. So we don't really get any biographical info on Habakkuk. We're told right, he's Habakkuk the prophet in verse 1, um, which probably means that he was something like a professional prophet. Uh, he was someone who people would go to him and ask him for advice or counsel or guidance, and he would go inquire uh, of the Lord on their behalf. Uh, But this book is not about someone else seeking help from Habakkuk. This book is about Habakkuk's own personal complaint, uh, his own bone to pick with God. So as you look at these first few verses, what do you think, what's what's Habakkuk's complaint? What is he upset about? There's multiple things that he's, he's crying out to God for. What are they? What do you see? 
no justice, right? <clears throat> justice never goes forth. Justice goes forth perverted. Um, the problem is that where would you go if you needed justice? You'd go to the courts, right? You'd go through the legal path. But the wicked surround the righteous, which means that they're not only more numerous, but they are able to get whatever verdict that they want. So there's no path forward for those who are trying to do things the right way. Um, justice is non-existent. What else? What else is, is Habakkuk crying out to God for? Yeah, Brittany? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That seems like the big thing, right? It's not just that there's violence and iniquity. It's where's God, right? Why is God not doing something about this? Habakkuk sees it. He sees it clearly. And so God must see it clearly as well. So he cries out, why aren't you, why don't you hear, Lord? Why aren't you saving us? Uh, why are you instead making us look at these things? Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest complaint is, where's God? Why isn't God doing something? Uh, it seems that for Rebecca, God has picked a very inconvenient time to be silent. Uh, not that there's ever a convenient time, but this is like the worst time God could pick to not answer prayers. And not only that, right, it's not just that God is not doing something. It's that he's not saying why he's not doing something. There's no direction for Habakkuk. He doesn't know what God is doing. If God is doing something, he has no idea what it is. So here's, here's the, the problem that Habakkuk is wrestling with. He's wrestling with this tension between what he knows of God and what he's experiencing in the moment. Here are the things that he knows about God. God is good. God is just. God is faithful. God does uh, not tolerate wickedness. He punishes wickedness. Um, But here's his experience. God is silent. God is absent. God seems to not care. Or even worse, God is condoning these wicked actions. So how how do you reconcile those two, right? If if you know that God is good and God is just, what do you do when it seems like the opposite is true? And so Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's answer to that is to confront God, to say to the Lord, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm experiencing. So let me ask you this. Is, is Habakkuk right to confront God like this? Do you think Habakkuk's in the right. What do you think? Is it good for Habakkuk to do this? Matthew? I think the way that he states it is not. I think it's, a, it's, it's valid and there's something wrong with, with going to God and saying, you know, I don't understand what's going on. Why, you, know, you say in your word this and this and this, I don't see that playing out. I think that's fine. I think it's when you're Disrespectful, or when you pretend to be wiser than God, I think is wrong. But in this case, it seems to me that Habakkuk is going to God, questioning where are you and what are you doing, what's your plan? I don't understand it. 
Course. Yeah. Gee, did you have something to add? Well, basically the same thing. It's not right to challenge God, but Habakkuk is being totally honest in his outcry, and God would recognize phoniness in him. So sure. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put up a front with God. Yeah, so I think you could you could probably make a case both ways if you wanted to. Um, but when you look at other parts of Scripture, you see similar things, right? You look at the Psalms, and you see Psalms where the psalmist is, is saying, Lord, I know that you're good, but here's what I see. Right? Psalm 73 is, is a perfect example of this, where the psalmist says, I looked and I saw that the wicked were prospering, and the righteous we're being oppressed. It's, you know, it's topsy-turvy. It's backwards. It's supposed to be the other way around. If you're the righteous, you're supposed to get blessing. Right? If you're the wicked, you're supposed to go to jail forever. And yet, it's the opposite in Psalm 73. And so he's, the, the psalmist is expressing a similar thing. He's saying, I don't understand, Lord. Um, but the, the crazy thing about that psalm is, is that he doesn't get an answer you know, from from a miraculous intervention by God, he gets an answer when he goes to the temple and when he goes to worship. And there he's reminded that, okay, who God is is more powerful than what's happening in the world. That trumps the things that are happening that I see in the world. That God's character, it has to be true. And he also sees that, yeah, there's temporary blessings for the wicked, so it seems blessings. But the end of that path is destruction. And I think there's a similar thing going on with Habakkuk where he's crying out to the Lord and saying, here's, here's what I'm seeing and confronting God, but doing so because he's confused, because he knows that this is not right. He knows who God is. And so he's trying to wrestle with the fact that life and God's character seem to be two different things. Right? This is... God puts it in scripture because he knows that we're going to wrestle with the same things. Right? We're going to wrestle with the fact that sometimes the things that happen in life make it look like God is not present. It's easy to fall into that trap where you look at your circumstances say, well, does God even love me? Right? How long will I cry to God and he won't hear? How long will I cry to him and he won't save? Why does God make me go through these things? I think those are questions that we probably all asked. Maybe prayed, maybe screamed. Maybe we've refused to pray and said, well, there's no point. How can God be like this? You know, we give God the silent treatment as though he doesn't know our hearts. Um, I think you or I could we would always have to be careful about how we pray these kinds of prayers, right? Because confronting God is also a very dangerous game. Because think about what, what emotions is Habakkuk feeling? What do you think he's going through? What kinds of emotions are, are going or circulating through him? Gee. Possibly abandonment, 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, think about the the how alone he must feel. Yeah, Charlie. Fear. Of course. Is this all that it's going to be? Is this what it's going to be like for the rest of my life? Am I going to become uh, just food for the wicked? What else? What other emotions? Compare. Job. Get the back. Job goes on chapter after chapter after chapter questioning, getting crummy answers from his friends. Not until like the last two or three chapters does God even answer him. The difference between Habakkuk is the Lord answers him in the first chapter. We'll get there, yeah. What pain, you know, that, I mean, that Job went through. And it's the same thing with um, Habakkuk. He's going, wow, this hurts. I don't understand. You know, it's, anyway. yeah. it's like now. Think about Ukraine and that trash that's going on with, with that war. How many people are doubting? How many people are wondering where God is? Mm-hmm. You know, why hasn't it stopped? Yeah. Yeah, Habakkuk's got to be feeling confusion. Mm-hmm. Right? He's confused. What is happening? Why is why is it like this when I, I think I know who God is, is and who he's supposed to be? But it's confusing. Definitely. What else? What else is Habakkuk feeling? Impatience. Impatience. Yeah. I think... He's been praying for a long time. He's been crying out to God. He, he's, he's phrased it in such a way, like, how long shall I cry for help? Uh, the implication is that this is not the first time, that this is not the first prayer that Habakkuk has ever prayed for this situation. Uh, it's the first one we have recorded, but, you know, how many times do we have to pray until God answers? Or, right, maybe you phrase it a different way, how many times do we have to pray until we are content with God's answer. We can get into that theme a little bit later, too. What else? What other emotions do you think are going through Habakkuk? I think you all have done a great job, but I think there's a couple of other emotions that he's, that he's feeling in particular. One might be um, disillusionment. Do we mention anger? No. Yeah, anger. Yeah, definitely. And you could ask, well, against whom? Right? There's multiple things that he could be angry about. If we give him the benefit of the doubt, he's angry at the wicked and angry that the righteous are being oppressed. Um, if we don't give him the benefit of the doubt, he's angry at God. Right? He's angry at God for letting this happen. Um, we don't know which one. We know he's probably angry, but... I think we have to wait until a little bit later in the book before we start to peel back the layers of Habakkuk and see where his heart really is. Um, and I just mentioned disillusionment. Disillusionment is is kind of like when you think things are, are a certain way and you're content and you're confident in that and then that gets shattered. Right? The world breaks. It drops out from under your feet. The carpet gets pulled and you have no idea which way's up. Everything that you thought was true... It's not true. The person that you thought, or you thought God was a certain way, and now everything is in doubt. How can I believe that God is who he says he is if this is what he allows to happen? 
Right? There's, there's hints of all of these in this, these first four verses. Um, I think there's a couple of other little, little tidbits we can pull out. Right? He says that the, the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The implication is, first, that justice is being used to serve the, the wrong ends, um, which means it's not really justice anymore. Which also, you know, even the best laws or the best systems of government um, are not immune. There is no law or system of government that can prevent sin. Um, they don't mean anything unless they're being enforced for the right reasons. And then he's also, you know, implying that he, Habakkuk, is, is part of those who are righteous. He's not one of the wicked. He's not one of the ones perverting justice committing violence, destruction. Uh, he is one of the ones who's being oppressed, who is enduring all of this. He is one of the ones who is trying to be faithful to God in the midst of all of this. But like uh, like we said earlier, right, the main concern is that the Lord is not responding. Uh, but thankfully, right in this book, God does respond in the next few verses. So in verses 5 through 11 are, are the Lord's answer to what Habakkuk just said. All that complaint, here's the Lord's answer. Uh, how Habakkuk laments that all he sees is wickedness and destruction and the response, the Lord says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Right? I think there's a play there between Habakkuk saying, why do you make me see these things? Why do you make me look at these things? God says, okay, look and see. And see what I'm doing. See the answer. Um, but the answer is kind of surprising. Verse 6, the Lord says, For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breath of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. So here's what you need to know about the Chaldeans, right? These are the Babylonians that we'll find in other parts of Scripture. This is the nation that will eventually destroy Jerusalem and cart off all the people, right? If you remember the book of Daniel, Daniel is one of those people who is taken uh, and taken to Babylon um, in this destruction. And so what the Lord says about these people, right? They're bitter, they're hasty. Um, verse 7, they're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice goes forth from themselves, which means they make their own version of justice. They create it for themselves. They say, here's what's good and here's what's bad. Violence, uh, swift horses, meaning that their, their armies are hard to stop and powerful. Um, they all come for violence, verse 9. They gather captives like sand. Um, they are scoffers. They're arrogant. Uh, and then verse 11, they're guilty men whose own might is their God. <clears throat> Why would the Lord use a horrible people like this? Right, that's a legitimate question. Right? Why, why is this the answer? Habakkuk says, uh, okay, go ahead, Jeff. So, so what does that mean for Habakkuk? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you see Habakkuk's cry is that in the covenant land, right, 
the covenant people themselves are at fault. They're the wicked um, that are committing all these perversions of justice. And so the Lord says, well, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans to go and judge Israel. But the problem is, right, if Habakkuk says, here's all this violence happening, why is the answer more violence? Right? <laughs> Habakkuk says, oh, violence is all that I see. And the Lord says, well, here's the solution. Some violent men. Right? What's, what's going on? Why is the Lord using this particular nation? Why is he using Chaldeans? Why is this the, isn't this fighting fire with fire? What do you think? Okay. Yeah. That's uh, part of what the Lord said would happen, right? Uh, I forget the verse in, in Genesis, but, you know, it, um, yeah. <laughs> it's a great verse, isn't it? Um, verse, the, the thing around where if you kill someone with a the sword, then you'll be killed with a sword. Uh, Genesis yeah, thank you. That's, yeah, see, it was there. I just needed you to say it. Um, no, definitely, right? If if you are the one perverting injustice and committing all these atrocities, the expectation is, well, that's what's going to be done to you. Right? Eye for an eye, in a sense, the Lord is saying, this is what destruction and wickedness and perversion of justice harvests. More violence, more destruction, more perversions of justice. But still, this is not the answer that Habakkuk would expect. What do you think Habakkuk expected? What kind of answer was he looking for or hoping for? Judgment. Okay, well, in a sense, this is an answer of judgment. But what else was Habakkuk looking for? Yeah, part of the problem is that the Lord never says that he's just going to judge the wicked. He's raising up this whole nation, and in essence, it seems like what the Lord is saying is that all of Israel will be wiped away. Not just the wicked, but the righteous, which would include Habakkuk. That's not exactly the answer that Habakkuk would be expecting or wanting. What do you? What answer do you want when you cry out to God like this? When you're saying, "Lord, give me an answer. Explain yourself." What are you hoping for? What do you expect? Or what do you want God to say? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because we're in the right, and God is clearly messed up. Right. We want God to say, "Oh, I'll make it all better. Don't worry." Yeah. Yeah, you want some sort of affirmation that there's a happy ending around the corner. Some sort of assurance that, no, it's going to be okay. You just got to hold out for like five more minutes. And then super short. Super short. The shorter the better. Yeah, 30 seconds max. Dave. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green 
Yeah, he wants that to be true. He wants to be affirmed in his righteousness. Good job, Habakkuk. You are one of the righteous. You are the one of the good ones. Um, don't worry. I'm just going to deal with the bad guys, and everything's going to be okay. Like you're going to be affirmed. You're going to get rewards. Um, you know, here's your gold star. I think we we all, in a sense, want those kinds of things when we pray to God. We want the affirmation. We want the assurances. We want God to say, well, I'm, you know, I had to do this. I had good reasons. Here's my whole reasoning. And we want to say, okay, I checked it out. It looks good. Fine by me. <laughs> right? We don't want God to say, what I'm doing, you wouldn't even believe if I told you. I'm going to judge all of Israel. Yeah, Matthew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up a couple of good points, right? We we know that God is infinitely merciful and, and gracious, but that's just kind of it's hard to understand. And one of the problems of Habakkuk is he's confused, and God's answer is, "Well, what I'm going to tell you is not going to make that better. <laughs> like I'm not going to fix your confusion because I'm doing something that." You wouldn't even believe if I told you. But you can still look and see and, and wonder and be astounded that I, I think the Lord's point is to say, be humble. Quiet your heart. What I'm doing, I am doing for my own glory. I am working even when it seems like I'm not. And the answer is not to you know get God to explain himself. The answer is to say, well, I need to trust God, clearly. Because <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but he does. And as long as he knows what he's doing, that's enough. I think we don't like to say that. We don't like to say, as long as God knows what he's doing, I'm okay. (laughs) We want to know what God is doing. We want to understand it. And so what the the Lord's answer, right, seems, it doesn't seem like an answer. It seems like, okay, God's going to fix the fire by pouring some napalm on it. It's not going to fix the problem. Because now more just, more injustice is going to happen, more oppression, more violence. Um, we want God to answer with a promise of salvation, with, with some sort of hope or affirmation that he is faithful and you just need, everything's going to be okay. I got you. Don't worry. You're one of the righteous, Habakkuk. You're going to be spared. The hard thing is that the Lord doesn't say any of those things. That doesn't mean that there isn't salvation. That means that the call for Habakkuk and for us is to trust God. 
even when we don't have those visible things that we want so desperately to hold on to, because that's what faith is. Faith is believing uh, when we don't see it, when it doesn't look like God's in control, when it doesn't look like God knows what he's doing, or when we think we know a better way. I know what needs to fi- what needs to be done to fix this, um, and if only God would would consult with me. Now, this is part of the themes of Habakkuk: is how do you trust God when everything's pointing the opposite direction? When our suspicions about who God is are seemingly being confirmed, we're suspicious that God is not loving, that God doesn't actually care, that God doesn't actually answer, that God doesn't want your good that God is actually vindictive and that he actually doesn't like you. And that's why all this is happening. Those are the suspicions in our heads. And the Lord, in his grace, doesn't feel the need to always defend himself. He doesn't always feel the need to address those suspicions. But he does feel the need to remind us that we need to trust him. That he is doing a work, whether we, not, whether we like it or not whether it's what we want or not. Um, so a couple of last comments. Um, I think this passage in Habakkuk points to the gospel uh, really n- nicely because a lot of the things that Habakkuk is feeling were probably really similar to what the disciples were feeling when Jesus went to the cross. Because right, think about the disciples standing there while the person they believed was the, was the Messiah is being crucified by the Romans, by the Chaldeans of the New Testament era, the oppressors, the wicked, the, the pagans. Right? Those were the people that Jesus was supposed to overthrow. Jesus was supposed to wipe them out, cleanse the land from the, of the wicked, and restore the righteous, you know, vindicate them, uh, give them blessings, and you know, good job, righteous, you did it. Instead... The Romans killed Jesus. Right, so think about the disciples and their disillusionment, their confusion, maybe even their anger, their fear. Right, the law has been paralyzed. Justice has been perverted. And they didn't really understand what God was doing. But the cross is the Lord saying, I'm doing a work that you would not believe if you were told. That what God is doing on the cross is actually far greater than we can imagine. Even though it looks like God is losing. Even though it looks like God is not who he says he is. Jesus was not who he said he was. He can't be the Messiah if he dies. And actually the opposite is true. That's exactly what made him the Messiah was because he died for us. Right? And what happened with the disciples? They fled. They didn't trust God. They ran. And yet, when Jesus was resurrected, where did he go? To his disciples. And showed himself to them and said, here I am. Here are my, whole, here are my hands. Here are my feet. Here's the hole in my side. You can touch it and you can see that I'm still alive. But blessed are all those who believed and yet they haven't seen. So that's how Habakkuk 
reminds us to believe when we don't see, um, but also to know that God, God loves us despite our doubts, that he does his work regardless of whether we believe it or not. And he does it for our good, even if we don't understand it. Are there any thoughts or questions or concerns? Everyone's going to be tested, going to have difficulties in their life, some more severe than others. That's a fact. What we have to do is remind ourselves who God is. He is the sovereign one. He is the holy one. He is righteous. Everything God does is perfect. He can't do, make any mistakes. Where we blow it is we forget who he is. This is what he says in, Rome, in uh, Hebrews. He says, you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. When we go through that, God will give us the comfort. But we've got to realize who he is and continue to rest in him. Yeah, we forget so easily. But every day we need to come back to who God is, and that's more firm than our circumstances. Charlie, you had your hand up? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. If you figure it out, you come talk to and let me know, and that'd be great. Because I think part of the, it takes that process before we get there. We're not born ready to repent, ready to humble ourselves before God and submit to him. We're, it takes work. Right, it takes the Holy Spirit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we're spiritually dyslexic. Charlie, did you have your hand up? Uh, I think that like the ideal is glory, which we have not fully obtained yet. And there's a reason, like you mentioned, I think that God has preserved in His Word these contentious petitions in Psalms. Where are you, God? 
God himself who said, come, let us reason. Right? Come, let us argue. And I will prove to you that your sins have been removed. Right? That the scarlet has been turned whiter than snow. And so it's like, he is our father. And in one sense, we have freedom as stubborn children to come to our fathers and throw a tantrum. And he will hold us. Yeah. Michelle? I was, I was thinking that the, the person you don't read about in Scripture is the one who doesn't come to God and, you know, humble themselves or throw their tantrum or ask their questions and share their doubts. But, but maybe there's a few examples. Maybe Judas, uh, Judas is one example who betrayed Jesus and then went and hanged himself. And so you're kind of faced with that choice. Like, when you're doubting, to whom shall you go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, yeah. As we as we go through Habakkuk, we'll see a couple of parallels. Some to Job, right? As Job's already been brought up, um, and I think there's also some parallels with Jacob. You know, a wrestling with God, <laughs> which ends with a hip being displaced um, and a new identity being given. Any final thoughts, questions, jokes? I like dad jokes. Why did uh, why did the dad keep a guitar in his car for traffic jams? <laughs> All right, let's pray and close. On that note, <laughs> let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that uh, you hear us. That even when we come to you with the wrong heart, you still hear and you answer. Lord, please give us the grace to be content with your answers, to submit ourselves to what you're doing, even when it's hard. Lord, we know that you transform us through these processes. It does make it easier, but help us to trust you and to be uh, grateful and joyful in the midst of trials because we know that it, through the suffering, our faith is tested and purified. Lord, we thank you that you do this. We thank you for your grace through Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.